0: and Missoula Sports Center. Elevated competition brought out lifetime best marks for some of Montana's top college track and field athletes over the weekend. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Tracksters from Montana and Montana State traveled to California. Montana State's Camilla Noe and Kobe Wilson earned Big Sky Conference weekly awards this week for their performances. Noe, a Bozeman High grad, ran 1552.02 in the 5,000 meters, breaking her school record by more than six seconds and running the 16th fastest mark in Division I this spring. Wilson, a freshman pole vaulter from Olympia, Washington, cleared 17 feet, 7.25 inches, the second best mark in MSU history outdoors, and 14th in the country this season. At the Brian Clay, Montana junior Joel Mendez ran the second fastest 3,000 meter steeplechase time in University of Montana history. The former junior college transfer ran 8 minutes, 42.22 seconds, less than 2 seconds off of Dean Earhart's school record that has stood at UM since 1977. Mendez also placed third in the 1,500 meters in 3 minutes, 51.21 seconds. At the Mount Sac Relays, Montana States Levi Taylor was even better in the steeplechase, running 838.90, marking the third fastest time in Bobcat history to finish second in the race. And All American Duncan Hamilton ran 13 minutes 30.5 seconds in the men's 10,000 meters at the Brian Clay, breaking Shannon Butler's 32 year old school record by nine seconds and setting a personal best by more than 20 seconds. Uh, one brief cameo, sort of in a band, I played saxophone. I was in the Big Sky uh, symphonic, pep, and jazz bands, but I, was, uh, I did a little cameo with a high school band there when I was in high school, <laughs> and we only knew how to play two songs. This was one of them. Fun times, real big fish, gotta love it. Happy Tuesday. Hope you're having a great start to your week. You're listening to Nuanas Now here on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Maybe you're tuning in on the ESPN Montana app. Thanks so much for listening to us. No matter how you're tuning in, if you missed anything in the first hour of the show, you can find it all on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is available on all your various podcast hosting platforms. You can also find the podcast as well as the live stream on our station website, 1029ESPN.com. You can also always stream the show on the ESPN Montana app, both live and archived. Podcast is presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as the Advocates. Fun first hour, did some NBA blindside, a little NBA history lesson heard from Jacob Curry of Helena Capital, our mattress firm student of the week. Also gave you some free tag the area and gave you a, a update on both men's college tennis and Big Sky Conference golf, both will be impactful when it comes to the Brawl of the Wild trophy uh, between Montana and Montana State, the all-sports trophy. So all that on the Nuanas Now podcast. You got questions, comments, concerns, you can always call and or text us, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. All guests will join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, which is where we go right now. It's time for our prep extra presented by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank has been enriching the lives of Montanans since 1907. Welcome in, my good friend, good friend of the show, contributing photographer and a guy I worked with in media for more than a decade now. He's Blake Hempstead. He runs Copperhead Country over there in Anaconda. And uh, we got some controversy brewing there in southwest Montana. Blake, thanks for being with us, man. How you doing?
1: Oh, good stuff, Coulter. Thank you.
0: Well, let's let's, uh, just start with the lead here. Uh, You and I actually met up in Missoula a couple weeks ago, and you were saying, man, I think there's some stuff coming down the pipe in Anaconda. I think that... uh, there might be some a, uh, movement among the head coaches for both uh, the boys' and girls' basketball teams. And sure enough, Rashi Estes and Andy Saltenberger are both out as Anaconda basketball coaches. So let's talk about that part of the news first because I actually think this is a, a sort of a, a microcosm example of things that are going on in youth sports right now where we're maybe uh, not-athletic administrators are making a lot more decisions than they should. But take us through just this one because it seems like this is really – uh, lit up the little town you live in there. seems like people are uh, very sideways about, particularly uh, the nephew of Wayne Estes, one of the great players in Anaconda history. Uh, Wayne, one of the great players in Montana history. Rachi, one of the great players in Anaconda history. A uh, guy that's been around since I was in high school there at Anaconda and uh, kind of just left out to dry. So just take us through sort of the uh, the ins and outs of this thing. Well,
1: the crazy thing about it is <clears throat> one of the things, it's the school board who went against the recommendation of our administration, the administrator, the administration that they hired, and they picked and choosed which coaches they wanted to let go. Uh, Andy Saltberger saw through the light. He was going to get um, non-renewed as well. Fired is not the right term in this instance because you can't fire a, a one-year a high school coach. You just non-renew them, and, and you, know, you don't have to deal with uh, the ramifications of that. But Ronchi, of course, Went through that firing squad, and and the school board chose not to go by administrative uh, suggestions or recommendations and non-renew them. And I can tell you, Coulter, I've been in I've been in Anaconda and Butte media with Montana Standard, Anaconda kind of Leader, KANA Radio, and then Covered Country. What I do now, I've been in that over 16 years, and in my time, there has not been a better collection of coaches throughout Anaconda since I was in high school. Since I looked up to the mentors and, and the people who. Uh, the men and women who taught me, um, you know, the beauty of social interaction through sports. These young, or these these men, uh, Raunchy and Andy, they are getting hung out to dry, and it's it's not from what they're putting on the floor. It's because what they're not putting on the floor.
0: Mm, interesting. Well, see, and that's the thing is I, I always find it uh, very interesting because, as we know, first and foremost, uh, the – commitment it takes to be involved in high school sports, whether it's as a coach or an official or a volunteer scorekeeper, whatever, it's a significant one, but it's also a necessary one. And I, I worry about this across the landscape of sports in Montana because we see it all over the place. I mean, for example, I'm going to my little nephew's first baseball game tonight and they are just in desperate need of umpires. We're running PSAs all over ESPN radio for umpires for all levels of softball. It's the same thing in the football season with the officials. And so first and foremost, any adult that is willing to spend their extra time giving back to kids, I got respect for those people for sure. But then another thing is sort of the the, the standard of what you hold a high school coach to in terms of on-court, on-field success. It's such an interesting one as well because it's not as if Rachi Essis or Annie Saltenberger can can recruit. I mean, this isn't like college where we're evaluating guys on who they're bringing in you just got what you got you do the best you can so you know it's just all about getting the kids to buy in, play hard and and be good representatives of your community and of your of your town of your school all that stuff so i mean what was the school board's uh justification for this or was there any because as you mentioned the administrators there at anaconda high seem to be behind these uh coaches and the recommendation by them was not necessarily received well by the school board
1: the recommendation was to promote or renew all varsity coaches. And like I said, there was, there was one coaching staff that was not renewed. That was at Rachi Estes and Caleb Stetsner. Caleb just, you know, just happened to be a, an Elks national free throw champion as a 10 year old for Anaconda, won state championships in golf for Anaconda, won a men's um, pro-am uh, for Anaconda country club. I mean, it, Played three sports as a Copperhead. It's just, and then they fired the coaches, or they non renewed the cheerleading coaches too, which was just completely out of left field. But a little segue of what you were just talking about with officials, Coulter, is we had, I had an official, like I talked, you and I talked, we saw this coming down the pike. I had an official, a master official. This representative, this official, was from Butte, and our Butte pool, usually the Butte pool does all of the Anaconda games, and this individual did a lot of Anaconda games. He wrote a letter of recommendation on the integrity, the character, uh, the leadership of both Andy Saltenberger and Rachi Estes. That individual's name? Don Peoples Jr., the president of Butte Central High School. The president of Butte Central High School and a master MOA out of Butte felt enough about those two to write a letter in support of them and how they treat officials, how they show leadership while they're on the sideline. That's remarkable.
0: Blake Hempstead joining us. He is uh, wears a lot of different hats there at Anaconda, but the founder uh, and operator of Copperhead Country you can find his coverage both live-streamed live of Anaconda Sports, also archived there, a bunch of features and stories and things like that at Copperhead Country as well talking about the non-renewals of a couple of basketball coaches there in southwestern Montana at Anaconda. I think the other thing worth noting and worth discussing, Blake, is, and you know this about me, I have such a great reverence for uh, the, the appreciation for tradition in Anaconda, period, but particularly when it comes to basketball. And I think a lot of people know, a lot of people that have roots or that have experiences playing at the pit or going to the high school, you definitely know but there's also a lot of people that are listening to this show probably that are newer to Montana or maybe don't know about the history of Anaconda. So just us take through people through that because that, that's why this is sort of such a big deal is that basketball has always held a very elevated spotlight and a very elevated place in the Anaconda community. So it's a big deal who the coaches are. And then when you talk about the history of the Estes family at Anaconda, that then just puts this even a brighter spotlight on this entire situation. You know, Bill
1: Foley wrote a a great column today in his Butte Sports, uh, Tapper Light, asking individually, asking the individuals, the board members, why? Why did they not vote for something like this? And one thing that I said during the board meeting was the Estes family is Anaconda royalty. And it's not a royalty that puts them above anybody. It's the name. It's what they've given the county or the community. It's what they've given us in terms of legacy. It's what they continue to put back into the program with time and effort. Now, I'm not one to sit up here and say that our coaches, you know, shouldn't be held to a higher standard or couldn't improve in some aspects. Everybody can improve in their job. It's part of your job, Colts, or you get evaluated, I'm sure, on your job performance, and your job is – or your your uh, your boss, I guess you would say, would give you things to work on. These individuals – are led by Dakota Norris, our athletic director who comes from Deer Lodge, comes out of the program at Terry Thomas down in Dillon. He knows he knows what a good administrator and what a good leader should do in terms of guiding those individuals who are leading our youngsters. He promoted that person. He wanted to see that continue. And it's just it's a shame. It it really is a shame, and and our community is in upheaval from
0: it. And it just makes me wonder, not just about the specifics of just Anaconda either, though. I just worry about this becoming uh, a greater problem across the board. It's not just with officials, but it's with coaches. I mean, we've seen various coaches step away from the game for a variety of reasons. Most often they just say, you know, hey, more time with my family. I want to do this, that, and the other thing. But it's not easy being a head coach, uh, this day and age in youth sports, whatsoever. So not uh, at all. And I just I, wor- I just worry about if maybe uh, people are not staying in their lane enough. You just wonder how much the influence of the politics of the situation has on uh, the decisions that are being made outside of the administrative levels of these high schools.
1: Well, you know, I can't, Colter. You and I, it, I I sent you a text message earlier today, and you and I have talked about a guy that coaches over there at Missoula Big Sky. A guy that I look up to, a guy that really, he's what, three years, four years younger than me. I grew up with him, and that uh, he coached you.
0: Matt Johnson, um, yeah.
1: Matt there. Yeah, Matt Johnson. Now, can you imagine the people coming out? And because Matt Johnson, the type of individual he is, because he doesn't win a state championship and he hasn't continued or followed the success of Missoula Sentinel, right. you're going to get rid of that man out of your program? Are you insane? You can't lose leaders like that in your school. You can't lose people like that because you are going to fail. You are going to fail the kids, and that is the biggest downfall of this all.
0: No doubt about it. Blake said joining us here talking about a microcosmic example through the lens of Anaconda and the high school basketball programs, but maybe a uh, a larger discussion point here on Nuwana is now Blake Runs Copperhead Country. You can find all of his work, CopperheadCountry.org. Anything le- else you want to add to this conversation, Blake, before we let you go?
1: Let me, let me give you a, a real quick example on what kind of a coach Raji Estes is. So you and I would both agree that the coach is, is responsible for the well-being of the team. So if you get blown out one game, what's the coach on the bus doing? Hey, let's put that behind us. Let's work towards another goal. Let's do it that way. Wouldn't you agree? Exactly. Okay. So Ronchi Estes, they go down to Dillon. They're down forty three to five at halftime. And they lose seventy-two to twenty. That's on a Monday. Tuesday, they host Butte Central and some kid by the name of Dougie Peoples or something. He he <laughs> might have hit a shot in the state tournament in, in Missoula. They were leading Butte Central in the first quarter. They were down by thirteen and half. And then Butte Central pulled away. I mean, they're a great team. They were one of the best teams in the state. They pulled away in the second half. But a day after getting beat by 55 points or 52 points and going down 43 to 5, they they're playing with the best team in the state. That's coaching. That's leadership. That's a guy that just says, you know what, guys, let's go out. Let's forget about the day before and let's go. And they held Dougie Peoples to his lowest scoring game of the season, which was 13 points.
0: All you can ask for is just discipline, effort, and the kids play hard because, like I said, you can't determine the talent. It is a point worth uh, continuing to make. Blake Hempstead here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. Thanks for being here, buddy. We'll catch up soon. See you, Missoula. There you go. Blake Hempstead here on Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. I I do think, as with everything, there's nuance to all of it. But I, I do think that the more people that are volunteering their time for youth sports are unfairly scrutinized and treated, I, I think that we're in trouble. Uh, I, I, th- I really do. I think that there's so many different influences right now in youth sports, and I'm not sure how many of them have the primary uh, goal of youth sports as the primary goal. I mean, the fact that sports costs so much to get into, that, that's making, I guess what I'm saying is we're creating all of these entry points to participate in sports. And the point of sports in its essence at the, the beginning levels, at the youth levels is opportunity for kids to learn uh, just about so many of the the things that the fabric of sports teaches you, competitiveness, leadership, working together, teamwork, communication. More importantly than anything, though, the number one point of youth sports is not about winning or winning championships or competing for championships. What are the number one point of youth sports? Learning to lose. I think it's the most important lesson you learn because in sports the number one lesson is that you can dream as big as you want and you can try as hard as you can and you can make everything align for you and then you can still fail. The storybook is not real. Most often, most people in sports will fail and learning what that failure took makes it not a failure at all because if you tried, you can't fail. If you gave your best, you can't fail. It's like we talk about coming out of these pro days where these guys play college football for four or five years. They work so, so hard. Then they put it all out there for NFL scouts just in one day. Well, maybe you don't run the time you hoped. Or or maybe you'd run exactly the best you possibly could have done and it's still not good enough. But if you did the best you can do, what else matters? That's the whole point of sports. And so... Uh, especially at the youth level. So creating multiple entry points for sports, but also teaching kids that you can pass the accountability. I think that's the other thing is now we associate losses with not being our fault, but there is no fault in losing. If you tried your best, that's the exact thing I'm always trying to communicate here. So I just worry about the state of youth sports, both from the limited entry points and the continually more limits that we put on the entry points to them, as well as, the people that are facilitating these things. Uh, It it takes a tremendous amount of of time and dedication to be able to do it. And so I hope that when we are criticizing those who are sacrificing that time and effort and dedication, I hope we're doing it with proper nuance and proper details and proper evaluation points and not just selfish, self-serving and blindly non, uh, non-accountable ways of looking at the scenarios. Snow on his now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Thanks to Blake Hempstead for coming on and sharing that. It's not just about the Anaconda thing, although I do think that in itself is a controversy. It's also just about the state of affairs right now across the board, uh, particularly at the high school level. A prep extra. Most of the time, our prep extra is just a a, uh, joy-filled segment. So, sorry to talk about something a little bit more um, tempered, but it is important. It's very important to talk about it. We love using this platform to talk about all the important things, including the hard things. So, thanks to Blake Hempstead for joining us. Farmer State Bank's been enriching the lives of Montanans since 1907. You can do your part to save resources by banking greener at Farmer State Bank. You can ask for paperless statements on all your accounts. Use free, secure internet banking, plus with their automatic bill pay, you'll save more. You can even download the Mobile Money app for commercial and personal accounts. FarmersEBank.com for more information. Thanks to them for supporting us here at Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. Uh, We have a little bit of time here between now and when we dive into our Treasure State Stars, highlighting some of the best individual performances in the... uh, world of sports around Montana. I want to play a little bit more blindside, but first I also want to give you a little history lesson. I've been teasing this because I'm so excited about it. The 29th of April, that's next Friday, we will be coming to you live from the Gray Wolf Peak Casino. They're up on Everett Hill. They have a meet and greet coming down with multiple NBA, or I guess just basketball Hall of Famers. George Gervin, the Iceman, he's the headliner, five-time NBA scoring champion, five-time first-team All-NBA selection, first ballot Hall of Famer. Artis Gilmore, one of the great big men of the ABA, then into the NBA era. Michael Ray Richardson, who was once upon a time the number four overall pick out of the University of Montana. Otis Birdsong, one of the great players for the Kansas City Kings of the ABA days. And then the guy we'll highlight today, Calvin Murphy. I was today years old when I found out that Calvin Murphy is a basketball Hall of Famer. He is certainly a legend among legends in the college game. Perhaps uh, definitely one of the most prolific scorers in the history of college basketball. He once scored 68 points for Niagara in a uh, single game against Syracuse. He also averaged, he averaged 33.1 points per game his final year of college. To put that in perspective, Tyler Hall is the best scorer I've ever seen in the Big Sky Conference, and he scored more points than anybody in Big Sky Conference history at Montana State. Tyler Hall scored about 2,600 points in his college basketball career. That's straight buckets. Guess what? Calvin Murphy scored that many in one season. 2,548 points. Unbelievable. Murphy was known for his uh, slight build. He's 5'9", 165 pounds, what incredible energy! Get to the rim uh, on offense, and such a great pressure defender. I'm re- I'm going to start you reading his uh, Hall of Fame bio. Quote: He was a penetrator, supreme on offense, and present. Pre- uh, excuse me, possessed that rare ability to stop on a dime and stick the jump shot when needed. His aggressive belly-to-belly style also made him a top-notch defensive player. Despite guarding bigger players, he flourished in his 13 seasons with the San Diego and Houston Rockets averaging double figures in all 13 years. He was also automatic at the free throw line, once making 78 consecutive charity shots. He led the NBA in free throw percentage three times, and his free throw percentage never dipped below 80%. So Calvin Murphy will also be a part of this meet and greet up at the Gray Wolf Peak Casino. So uh, very cool. There's a little history lesson for you. All right, let's do some more. Uh, blindside Andrew Andrew Houghton, our producer here at uh, ESPN radio, joining us uh, on Nuanas now. The uh, The upcoming slate of games for tonight in the NBA includes Atlanta at Miami, Minnesota at Memphis, and New Orleans at Phoenix. My question for you, Andrew after we talked so much about Anthony Edwards, is is tonight a must win for the Memphis Grizzlies? Yeah, it has to be
2: because this is—they uh, got to salvage a split at home. You can't be down 0-2 and then going on the road, right? I mean, um, that would really turn all the momentum back over to Minnesota, and not even just the momentum because I mean these are professional athletes. Uh, but you just—you can't be down 2-0 and going on the road.
0: Exactly. I also just got your text about the correction for this. It would be impossible to score 2,500 points in a season. You're right. I think you'd actually have to average like 75 points per game for that to for that math to equate. I was thinking maybe, well, because they went on a good run in the assembly tournament, so I was thinking maybe he played into the high 30s of games, but still... Yeah, even
2: if you get to 40 games in a season, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd no, have to be scoring no. like 65 points a game, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think he's... Uh, I think that actually that 2548 number is from his high school career and then he went on uh, to Ni- Niagara. Regardless, Great score Calvin Murphy. <laughs> um I agree though the the, the Grizzlies uh, they fulfilled the prophecy that I laid out on this show where I said that they have not been in this position before so I would not be surprised if a team like Minnesota who played a primetime game in a play-in game to then set up it set up this this series I thought maybe Minnesota would maybe punch them in the mouth right out the gates. And that's exactly what happened. I also find it interesting, though, the resilience that the T-Wolves showed. Because Patrick Beverly is among, if not, the, I mean, he, he is the great instigator in the NBA, right? I mean, he, he is the guy that stirs the pot more than anybody. I think he, he defines the notion of the guy who you hate him if he's not on your team and you love him when he's on your team. He got a fine that I've never seen before in the NBA following that play-in game victory. He was fined thirty thousand dollars for quote excessive profanity. Andrew pointed out that it might have been on social media. Regardless, I was just wondering when you're in a sold-out arena, screaming profanities, what constitutes excessive? Because I can't imagine <laughs> that, I can't imagine that Pat Beverly's not just swearing the whole time. So what like puts it to the the real, the realm of excessive? Regardless, Beverly is such an instigator. He also is not. The uh, the most endeared guy to John ja Morant. John ja Morant, I can't wait for him to continue to have his star grow because John ja Morant talks more smack in the media than almost any player. I love it, but somebody asked about Pat Beverly, and John ja Morant was basically like, "Man, I don't like this dude, and I'm going to give him some." And then John ja Morant went out and went five for five in the first quarter with 15 points against Beverly, and you're thinking, "Oh man, John's going to go for 50 tonight." And then Minnesota just trucks Memphis. And it, so even that uh, narrative was was sort of downplayed. And I also thought it was just such great resilience by Minnesota for John Morant to sort of set the table and then go all the way at uh, the Grizzlies and, and take care of business. So I do. I think it's a huge game here uh, tonight in Memphis. That one's 6.30 p.m. tip-off. Also, Atlanta and Miami, they tip at 5.30. And then the Pelicans at the Suns. They tip at eight. Got one more blindside for me before we get out.
2: I don't know. I was thinking about. Well, I was thinking about what Kyle Sample said on the mm-hmm. blindside mm-hmm. the other week. Yep. Where he was talking about the greatest sports what ifs. Yep. And I was thinking about the NBA playoffs, and I was thinking about like this stage of the NBA playoffs, and this has nothing to do with the teams that are in it right now. Sure. What if? Uh, the Wildcat strike in the bubble playoffs had actually lasted when so, the 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 Milwaukee Bucks said that they were not playing. Yeah, after uh, Jacob Blake was shot. Right, and they they ended up just pushing the games back a day. But I feel like that's one of the bigger turning points uh, in recent sports history. Not only because of like the social implications of it, but if there was ever a time for a group of players to just realize how much power that they actually have in terms of forcing change, it would have been then because these guys were all in the bubble together. Yeah, They had plenty of chance to to talk it out and really be unified and make a unified stand in a a way that they wouldn't if like, one group of guys was in Minnesota and one group of guys was in Miami and another group of guys was in L.A., you know? And they were already trying to do that a little bit because – getting the bubble together required a lot of negotiation between the players in the league. For sure. Um, I just think it's, it's a little bit of an underrated moment. And it, I, it, it NBA playoffs, tangentially related.
0: It, it is. It is a little bit of an underrated moment. I also think, though, I, I and I said this when, when this show was Tutel Nuanas and Ryan Tutel was still uh, on the radio with me, I said exactly this. I, I said I thought that the 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 protest and the, the boycott was made a little less impactful because the games were just rescheduled rather than canceled. And I don't know if that was a matter of the league bailing them out or not. In other words, would so many of the players agreed if they knew that the game would just be a forfeit rather than uh, a... Well, you can't have a forfeit if neither team wants that's to play, That's right, though. that's right, that's right. So I guess it would have had to be a comprehensive effort, and I'm not sure if it was... Was it fully comprehensive? Every team in the league decided to go on the Well, well that's the
2: thing. I mean, it's not, and it's not ever going to be in a sports league that has Total. 450, you know,
0: right, right. people in it. You just wonder, like... If there was a defined before the boycott happened that it would be a loss for whoever participated, then how much is used from a strategic standpoint? I think it would have resonated a lot more. If there was a team that said, we're taking a playoff loss by not playing, it, it would have resonated Especially a lot more. Especially if it would
2: have been the Bucks. who, if I recall, sure. that were they the number one seed that year in one of the years when they lost
0: as the number one that's seed? Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one. It's very interesting one. More NBA stuff, because that's what time of year it is, coming up. But also, how about some of the best individual performances from across the state of Montana by Montanans, our Treasure State Stars. Next, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. The Advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the Advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today. Or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Elevated competition brought out lifetime best marks for some of Montana's top college track and field athletes over the weekend. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Tracksters from Montana and Montana State traveled to California. Montana State's Camilla Noe and Kobe Wilson earned Big Sky Conference Weekly Awards this week for their performances. Noe, a Bozeman High grad, ran 1552.02 in the 5,000 meters, breaking her school record by more than six seconds and running the 16th fastest mark in Division I this spring. Wilson, a freshman pole vaulter from Olympia, Washington, 17 feet, 7.25 inches, the second best mark in MSU history outdoors, and 14th in the country this season. At the Brian Clay, Montana junior Joel Mendez ran the second fastest 3,000 meter steeplechase time in University of Montana history. The former junior college transfer ran 8 minutes 42.22 seconds, less than two seconds off of Dean Earhart's school record that has stood at UM since 1977. Mendez also placed third in the 1,500 meters in 3 minutes 51.21 seconds. At the Mount Sac Relays, Montana's States Levi Taylor was even better in the steeplechase running 838.90 marking the third fastest time in Bobcat history to finish second in the race and All-American Duncan Hamilton ran 13 minutes 30.5 seconds in the men's 10,000 meters at the Brian Clay breaking Shannon Butler's 32-year-old school record by nine seconds and setting a personal best by more than 20 seconds. Montana, welcome back. Treasure State stars coming up in just a quick minute, but how about this? Drama, drama when it comes to Big Sky men's tennis. We were talking about the uh, upcoming stretch run. The regular season ends this weekend at the Big Sky Conference in men's tennis. Montana State secured at least a share of the Big Sky crown last week after Montana lost to Idaho, but not so fast. Now we got two conference leaders tied at 6-1 in Big Sky Conference play. This is a release that just came through from the Big Sky just about two seconds ago. Due to a violation of ITA Rule ID 4, the men's tennis standings in the Big Sky Conference have been adjusted. The conference has determined that during an April 9th men's tennis match at Idaho, Sac State's lineup was not played in order of ability as required by Rule ID 4. As a result, the match has been awarded to Idaho, resulting in a 4-3 victory over Sac State. This decision will impact the Big Sky men's tennis standings and any previous regular season championship claims as Montana State and Idaho are now 6-1 in conference play heading into Saturday's final day for both teams. So now, Montana State can secure at least a share of the Big Sky title with a win over Montana, but they'll also have to have Idaho Lose So drama, drama in the Big Sky men's tennis rinks. Let's dive into our Treasure State Stars, presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union, one of the best places in all of western Montana to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. Treasure State star number one, she's a Missoula Sentinel graduate and currently a standout horizontal jumper for the Nebraska track team, Ashley McElbury. Last week at the Sooner Invite at in Oklahoma, uh, in Norman, Oklahoma, McElmurray, who was an outstanding multiple-time state champion at Missoula Sentinel um, during her career a, a couple years back, she went over 20 feet in the long jump and over 42 feet in the triple jump. Both of those personal best marks. Her triple jump of 42-2 and some change was good enough to win first place uh, at the Sooner Invite, so very impressive by her. She continues to pile up points at the Big Ten meets both outdoor and indoor, so very impressive. Missoula Sentinel product, Ashley McElberry, continues to thrive on the track. Treasure State star number two, Joel Mendez. He's a junior college transfer. And this is is big shoes to put on the kid, but he reminds me of Christian Serratos. Christian Serratos was also a Southern California junior college runner. Serratos then transferred to Montana State and bloomed – into a phenomenal distance runner at MSU. Mendez, a little bit of a similar story. He's a junior college product from California. He came here with Clint May. Uh, Clint May recruited him, I should say, one of his big recruits early on in his time as the track and field coach here at Montana. And Mendez went nuts this last weekend at the Brian Clay Invite. He got third in a field of over 50 runners in the 1,500 meters. Uh, By the way, the Brian Clay Invitational, some of the best athletes in the country were there. Got third in the 1500 and also ran 840 and some change in the steeplechase, which is the second best time in the history of Montana track, um, which the record dates back to 1977. So he's flirting with some historic marks already. So Joel Mendez, a name to watch for the University of Montana track team. Treasure State star number three. How about a collection of Montana State tracksters? They were all down in California as well. We've talked about a couple of these already here on the show, but we'll give you one last uh, note on them. Drake Schneider, the outstanding long hurdler. He ran 50.7 seconds in the long hurdles, a personal best, and one of the top 15 times in the country so far this year. Colby Wilson was the Big Sky Conference Track Field Athlete of the Week. Excuse me, the Big Sky Field Athlete of the Week, Men's Field Athlete of the Week, after vaulting 17 feet 7.25 inches, the second best vault in Montana State outdoor history and one of the top 15 marks in the country. Camilla Noe, who's been on this show before Bozeman High grad, she ran the fastest 5K time in school history and continued to push the envelope on her personal bests. Her 5K time was eighth in that heat, but there was some pros running in it, so she has a top 10 5K time in the country now after that outstanding time. And then Duncan Hamilton. By the way, Noe was the uh, Big Sky uh, track women's athlete of the week. And then finally, Duncan Hamilton continues to impress. He breaks Montana State's school record in the uh, ten thousand meters, excuse me, the five thousand meters, thirteen minutes and thirty seconds and change. Breaks his Chana Butler's school record by nine seconds and runs a personal best by more than twenty seconds. So very impressive for uh, those MSU tracksters. Treasure State stars, some of the best individual performances in the state. Here on Nuana's now. Here on your Tuesday. A couple of Grizz soccer players make the Treasure State stars. One who's currently with the Grizz, one who's formerly a Grizz. A couple cool opportunities. Taylor Hansen made her pro debut last week. And uh, Camilla Zhu, she is playing in uh, what amounts to a semi-pro league this summer. Uh, Andrew's kind of our aficionado when it comes to soccer here. Uh, I know you've been following the Taylor Hansen saga. So tell people a little bit more about these two Grizz soccer people. Well, very, very cool for Taylor
2: Hanson last week. Um, This is a story that's been building for a little while. I mean, we knew it was pretty obvious when she graduated from Montana that she could make a pro career of it somewhere. She ended up in training camp with the San Diego Wave, her hometown team in the NWSL. Uh, You know how, like, the MLS is very much not one of the best soccer leagues in the world? On the women's side, the NWSL is one of the best soccer leagues in the world. So a huge opportunity there for her. She made the team after training camp. Made her debut last week in their, I I think, uh, third or fourth game of the season. Um, starting against, uh, geez. I forget who the other team is. <laughs> Angel City, maybe, the L.A. Yeah, yeah. team. Sure. Um, but got a start and played 65 minutes for San Diego Wave at left back. I thought played really well, and this is... Um, You know, just an achievement that's really difficult to put into perspective. There's only 12 teams in the league. These teams, you know, the American college ranks are not the only place to get talent. I mean, she's competing against girls from all around the world. I mean, England's starting goalkeeper is on her team. Sweden's number 10 is on their team. Like, she's competing with women from all around the world. And I thought, um, you know, she played pretty well. She proved that she belonged. It was really cool to see. Taylor Hansen now... um, Coming up on sort of an interesting decision because I think she can play in the NWSL. I think she can be on an NWSL roster. Um, I think her versatility being able to play on both the right and the left helps her. Uh, but I don't know how much game time she'll be getting in the NW- NWSL. I mean, she's she's a backup, a versatile piece that can play a lot of different positions, but sort of a fringe player at that level of talent. But she could go to Europe and play and really play sure, for a lot of right. very good teams over there. Um, so interesting to see what she what she does, but just uh, a great celebration to see her get some game time last week, and we'll see how that continues. Uh, for for Camellia Zoo, I mean, she's the next one out of this program. They've got girls... In the next couple of years, who are going to go pro for sure? Right. Camilia Zoo, if you're looking at one who can make it at the highest levels of the game, she's the next one coming up in this program. After I mean, her. I mean,
0: she she took over the goalkeeping duties for Claire Howard, who was the greatest, arguably the greatest goalkeeper in Big Sky Conference history, at least in statistical yeah. wins and shutouts. Certainly was. Um, and she didn't miss a beat. I mean, she was the best goalie in the league last year as a freshman. Best goalie in the league, Big Sky Tournament MVP as a yeah, redshirt right.
2: freshman. Started every game. She's uh, incredibly athletic. She's a great shot stopper, great hands. Um, she's the one, and and this is, you know, the next step in that career. If you want to go pro at the highest levels of the game, if you want to, um, she's trying to get into the Canadian national team setup. If she, if she, I'm sure she'll be looking at going to the NWSL or a comparable league after she graduates. This is a great step for that. So she's playing for a semi-pro team in San Antonio this summer, which is just you know it's like it's like college baseball players maybe playing in the Cape Cod League sure. or playing in one of those wood bat leagues. You'll get a lot of good experience, yep. a lot of experience in just learning how to be a professional. Uh, and I think she'll be really good for them. I mean, she's she's a, a stunning athlete. She's
0: really good. Thank you, Andrew. Treasure State Stars. Best individual performances around the state. Presented by Parkside Credit Union. How about a couple of Montanans signing with Montana? That's a rare occasion when it comes to men's basketball. But Rhett Reynolds, one of the best small school athletes in the state out of Shelby, as well as Caden Bateman out of Missoula Big Sky. They each signed National Letters of Intent with Grizz Hoops last week. So congratulations to both of those young men. Fun for them and uh, cool for their families. And Treasure State star number six, Cameron Hillboard. I only reference her because she's still playing college sports, and I think it's it's a cool story of, of sticking it out and making it to the end, and she's been a great player at Carroll College. Cameron Hillboard started her career at Montana State. She got some playing time at MSU as a freshman in basketball. During her high school career, though, we covered her quite a bit because I thought she was one of the better high school soccer players in the state. She was also the best high school pole vaulter in the state. I initially thought she might go to college as a pole vaulter. She ends up choosing Montana State for hoops. Then she competes for Montana State in track. Then she transfers to Carroll for track. And now she's been the three-year starting point guard for Rochelle Sayers' team in basketball. So she's an incredibly diverse athlete. And the news hook here is that she's coming back for her fifth year. So we'll see what that does to the uh, other T- players on the team in terms of uh, if they want to return. I believe Jamie Pickens, who's also a Helena native, former Lady Grizz, uh, she still has some eligibility there left at Carroll as well. But Rochelle Sayers has done a great job with the Fighting States women's basketball team. They've been very, very competitive in the Frontier Conference and uh, at the uh, national level. And uh, so just worth noting that Karen Hillborn is back for one last year of college sports to somebody we've liked and enjoyed following over the last uh, handful of years is Dow, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. What's going on the rest of the week? Plus, maybe some more NBA blindside. Keep it right here, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Sportsbet Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big.
1: Is Nuwanes Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula.
0: In now. What's up, Montana? Welcome back. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Listen to Nuanas Now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Or maybe you're watching or listening on the fancy new ESPN Montana app. You can get this show live and archived anywhere in the world. Download the ESPN Montana app today. Your best place for Nuwana's Now. Grizz Lacrosse, Grizz Hockey, and a whole bunch of other stuff coming down the pipe. But a fun show today. If you missed any of it, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. Talk some NBA, some regular season final leaders, some blindside NBA style. Also, on a student of the week with Jacob Curry from Helena Capital. Talk some Big Sky Conference men's tennis and women's golf. Heard from Blake Hempstead, Copperhead Country, about the Brewing controversy with Anaconda High School hoops, and if it's a microcosm, a discussion about it, if it's a microcosm for a larger issue when it comes to youth and high school sports in Montana and America everywhere. And then we also had our Treasure State Stars, highlighting some of the best individual performances from around the state each each Tuesday. Here you can find all of it on the podcast on all of your available on all of your podcast hosting platforms. And uh, the podcast is probably presented by Sportsbet Montana as well as the Advocates. We're doing a little rearranging tomorrow, so I'll tell you this for sure. I know we got a wing it Wednesday, so we got some wings for the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. I know for sure. We got Kerry McHugh of the YMCA coming in to talk about the Riverbank run. We had teased earlier Mike Anderson from Grizz Hockey leading the show. It actually sounds like our guy, Rajim Seabrook, is going to come in tomorrow, so he'll be rolling with us, and then we'll have Mike Anderson from Grizz Hockey on on Thursday. So that'll be fun. We also got locked and loaded, the big human, Mike Kramer, ESPN Roundtable, talking Montana Football Hall of Fame induction and inductees. So I'm sure Krames will come loaded with a bunch of stories, and we'll probably give you just a broad roundup of some track and field stuff around the high school level as well, so that'll be uh, fun to get to all of that. We only got about um, three and a half minutes left, but we do have uh, some NBA coming up. We got these games on tonight, right? We No games tonight here on ESPN Radio, but we do have a bunch of NBA games coming at you tomorrow. The slate tomorrow uh, includes Brooklyn at Boston. That's a game two. Boston leads that series 1-0. We got Philadelphia at Toronto. 76ers in full control, up 2-0 in that one, and then we got Chicago at Milwaukee. Milwaukee leads that one, one to zero. Tonight's slate is Atlanta at Miami, Minnesota at Memphis, and New Orleans at Phoenix. So, um, I guess my last question here on the NBA is: Atlanta's not been very good this year. They haven't lived up to the building of what people thought they might take the next step as. As Trey Young continues to develop, they got a good young core. Um, Miami is sort of like this understated number one seed so I guess my question for you is did the Heat have to just sweep past the Hawks did they have to just make short work of the Hawks to truly validate themselves as a true contender in the Eastern Conference no, I don't think so because you're gonna get one supernova
2: game at least from Trey Young and maybe two, and that's what the Hawks have going on. But if he scores, you know, 40, and I think he's gonna do that at some point in this series. You know, I don't think they're gonna get the sweep, and I don't think they should have to. I mean, it's kind—it's of, a tough one-eight series. You're playing oh, the sure. team. You're playing a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, I'm sure. And you're playing a team and a guy in Trey Young, especially who I think really showed. That he can turn it up when it matters, and I think they showed that a year ago. Totally. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a good point. And I don't think that getting the sweep. I mean, they could win every game by twenty. I still don't think that would give Miami Heat, the Miami Heat the respect that a number one seed usually gets. You it, know,
0: it is so interesting because I do think that the the sort of NBA public sees Miami as like the fourth favorite in the East behind a combination of Milwaukee and. Um, Whoever comes out of the uh, 2-7. Milwaukee, Boston, and and, uh, and whoever comes out of the Celtics' nets, for sure. Yeah. Milwaukee and Philadelphia. seem like they all have more traction in the national narrative as the favorite out of the East. They've certainly had a lot more sports
2: radio guys talking about them this season, those other teams, as compared to the Heat.
0: Well, maybe we should just hook our bandwagon to the Heat. Let's get Dan Levitard on the show. A text in from a listener. This is a thoughtful text. Montana school boards have always been subject to personnel and family politics, and not giving enough playing time to the "quote unquote" right kids. It's been sad to see the issue worsen, and for school boards to hide behind "quote unquote" personnel issues or personal matters, excuse me, and rarely disclose why the run the run people out of youth sports so often. Good text. Thanks, Kit, uh, for that text. A text coming in from Missoula. Inter uh, an interesting discussion to be sure so we will probably return to this theme but uh, be kind at least and maybe uh, more willing to accept when it comes to uh, the adults that dedicate so much time to youth sports Thanks so much for hanging out with us here today back at tomorrow again Carrie McHugh the riverbank run that's on the horizon one of the great sort of kickoffs to spring. We also have free wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. And one of my favorite guests, Mike Kramer, will join us on the ESPN Roundtable. We'll be back here tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm going to my nephew's first baseball game. How fun is this? We'll give you a full update tomorrow. See you then. You want us now. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the Advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the Advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an Advocate. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom